Well, in the months that I have been with you, I think you've probably kind of figured out that you got Rebecca the crazy lady, and I guess I'll be Rebecca the crazy lady till the end. And what I want you to know is I'm kind of pulling a fast one on you this morning, okay? Um, you might wonder where we come up with the scriptures that we preach on every week, and, and pastors can do whatever they want, and in times past, I've gone like through the whole book of Philippians and this and that, but there's this lovely little thing called the lectionary, and it's a three-year cycle, and every Sunday in those three years, you're given four um, passages. There's an Old Testament passage, there's a psalm, there's a gospel, and there's something from one of the New Testament epistles, usually. And most of the time since I've been here, um, we have used a lectionary scripture. And so that was what I planned to do this morning. And I gave the proper people, the stuff for the bulletin and the PowerPoint, and I said, okay, well, it's going to be 1 Peter 3, verses 17 through 22. And um, then I got going on it, and it was like, yeah. If I had been doing the lectionary, I would not have done it this way. I would have done something different. So I decided I'd do something different. And um, we're having part of what the lectionary said, but I'm actually going to start at, chat, at verse 8. And then I am going to go through verse 17. So rather than seeing 13 through 22, you're going to hear 8 through 17. And um, probably the best thing is to just listen. But I do invite you to listen for the word of the Lord. Finally, all of you have unity of spirit, sympathy, love for one another, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay, repay evil for evil or abuse for abuse, but on the contrary, repay with a blessing. It is for this that you were called, that you might inherit a blessing. For those who desire life and desire to see good days, let them keep their tongues from evil and their lips from speaking deceit. Then let them turn away from evil and do good. Let them seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Now who will harm you if you are eager to do what is good? But even if you do suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear what they fear and do not be intimidated. But in your heart sanctify Christ as Lord. Always be ready to make your defense to anyone who demands from you an accounting for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and reverence. Keep your conscience clear, so that when you are maligned, those who abuse you for your good conduct in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if suffering should be God's will, than to suffer for doing evil." This is the word of God for us, the people of God. 
Thanks be to God. Well, you may or may not have heard the name Chuck Swindoll. He's a well-known preacher, and he wrote scads of books. And for a bunch of years, had a radio program, and I think you can still access it online. And it was called Insight for Living. And it's worth listening to. Um, At one point in my life, um, when that would be on the radio and when I needed to be in the car often intersected. So I listened to Chuck quite a bit and I enjoyed it because he is just a great storyteller. And he told this story about an occasion when he was flying and um, it was a rather long flight and it came to be mealtime. And I realize this dates the story because I don't think they much serve meals on airplanes anymore, but back then they, they did. And so it was mealtime and so, you know, everybody gets their nose out of the book and this and that and they're preparing to eat and his seatmate turns to him and asks that perennial question, so what is it that you do? Well, when the guy found out that Chuck was a pastor, he was so bum-fuzzled that he was sitting next to a pastor that he nervously changed his drink order from a Bloody Mary to ginger ale. And then he whispered to Chuck that he really meant to order that in the first place. Well, Chuck told him not to worry. He didn't mind what he drank. So then the gentleman thought that maybe that was a hint, and in his panic, he ordered a Bloody Mary for Chuck. Well, Chuck declined the Bloody Mary, and that made the poor thing even more nervous. So he decided maybe the better part of valor was just to change seats, and in his hurry to do that, he spilled a great deal of his meal all over Chuck. And at the end of this, Chuck said, you know, sometimes it is easier to just tell folks I'm an author. But then they want to know what sort of books I write. And that leads to another Bloody Mary and ginger ale episode. Well, when I, when I heard that, I thought, boy, I can relate to that. Because I thought about an experience I had. It was a few years back, and one of my best friends, Jennifer, had bought a condo, and it was her first time as a homeowner, and so she was surely majorly excited about it. And after she had closed, but before she moved in, she invited me to come over and have a look at the place. So I did, and as we were leaving and crossing the parking lot of the complex where it was, we encountered a young man who lived one building over. And he knew that the unit had sold and, you know, had seen Jennifer coming in and out. So he introduced himself to her and began to chat with her. And in the course of that conversation, she explained that she had been giving her friend Rebecca the grand tour of the condo. And so after a bit, he turned to me with the perennial question, what do you do? Well, there was nothing to do but tell him that I was one of the pastors at the Methodist Church over on Brownsboro Road. And at that point, he began to babble. And he just babbled. 
And within a few moments, he was telling me all about his personal living arrangements that included his girlfriend. And then he told me about what he intended to do about those living arrangements. And he just went on and on. And I'm kind of standing there. He didn't seem to realize that I had never asked about his living arrangements. But I was fascinated that he somehow felt the need to tell me all of this stuff. Poor guy. You know, Jennifer and I got in the car, and as soon as we were out of the parking lot, we just had a good chuckle over the whole thing. You know, I, I realize that most of you all listening here to this message today are not clergy types. So your encounters with people may be a little bit different than Chuck's was and mine was, but I don't think they're too much different. You know, I, I think that there are many people who are not maybe terribly actively Christian who still have this notion that Christians are different somehow and that they live in a way that are different from all other folks. Or at least they have this idea that maybe Christians are supposed to live differently. But of course the fact of the matter is that we often don't. Even pastors don't always live differently. And I've got another story about that one. This is one that a pastor friend of mine told on himself. And like Chuck, he had been on a plane. And it was a long flight, and it was tedious, and there had been delayed, and of course the seats were cramped, and he finally got off the plane, and he went to the rental car counter, and he found out that his reservation for the car had just sort of vaporized somewhere. Where was the reservation? Where was the car? Well, so that was a hassle. And he hassled, and he was cranky, and he was short-tempered, and he pretty much chewed out that unlucky clerk who was on duty that day. And so a supervisor appeared from the back room to, you know, try to pour oil on troubled waters there. And he took a look at my friend's credit card and read his name and said, aren't you the pastor of, and he named it, he said, I lived near there when I was in university, and I attended your church when I could. Well, that was an oops moment, because his behavior had not been particularly Jesus-like. But haven't we all been there? And aren't we all glad that our Lord offers grace for moments like that? Remember the defeat of defeat. God's done it. But, yes, the world is watching. And actually, the world has always been watching. The world was watching in the first century when Peter wrote these words to those early believers. Now, you know, those of us who've studied world history kind of know that there was, you know, pretty bad persecution in the late first century, and Nero did all sorts of horrible things and this and that. But um, when Peter wrote this, thing, it hadn't quite gotten to that point. Uh, the really bad stuff hadn't ramped up. 
And what it was like then, that most Christians were not so much physically abused, but they were more looked on as peculiar or an oddity. People looked at Christians, the pagan world looked at Christians, and they were just this strange group who made this big deal about a man who had died on a cross and who they said had come back to life. And the Christians also believed that after they themselves died, that someday that would be, they would be brought back to life true. And this was really weird in the pagan world. Pretty much nobody believed in a physical resurrection except the Christians. So they were seen as really odd and really peculiar. But then over the centuries, they began to see, be, seem a little less odd because Christianity spread and took hold and Christians became more part of the mainstream culture, culture and so they weren't seen so strange. And of course, we all know, you know, in Europe and Asia, America, most people have been at least ostensibly Christian and that's made things reasonably comfortable for us who are Christ followers. But over the last several decades, that has all been changing. You know, what we might call the Christian West, and we used to take it for granted, it's not quite so Christian anymore. Not only do we see an increase in people who adhere to other faith traditions other than Christianity of one sort or another, there's also been in the recent decades a definite increase in those who claim no religious belief or no religious affiliation. And that's getting truer and truer with passing years and each succeeding generation. And so to quote Dorothy, we're not in Kansas anymore. And the odds that we can find ourselves in can feel pretty strange. And since that's the reality, the church, which is Christ's body here on earth, us, we find ourselves in an interesting place. And I would say it's not a bad place, but it is an interesting one. Because we, we have mostly grown up in, there may be a few exceptions here, but most of us have grown up in, in what we call Western culture. And Western culture largely grew out of Judeo-Christian roots. But it's becoming less and less connected to those roots. And since that's the case, we find ourselves in a situation that is a whole lot more like the situation of those early believers that Peter was writing to. At times, people might think that we're kind of peculiar, that we're sort of odd, and maybe not totally deserving of respect. 
you know, the, the world is changing, and it may not be what we were used to. And especially people of my age who grew up before all of this digital stuff. But it is our current reality. This changing world that seems not quite as Christian as it was a while back. Now, I don't have a presence on social media. That was a choice for good and for or ill, and there's pluses and minuses. But although I'm not on social media, I do at times read part of a comment thread on some online news article. And sometimes when I do that, the interactions between Christians and non-Christians can be pretty distressing. I read stuff that's pretty unpleasant on both sides of the divide. Something disparaging or ugly is said, and then the other side hits back. And then that side responds, and it just ping-pongs. It goes on and on. And sometimes when I read that stuff, I say to myself, I mean, I know that the Christian means well, but they're not doing the cause of Christ any favors. So here we are. As the culture around us becomes less Christianized, if you will, and in many ways more like that first century world that Peter was in, we who want to follow Jesus find ourselves having to walk kind of a fine line. On the one hand, there is the temptation for us to just let ourselves sink without a trace into the surrounding culture. That's just so easy to do. Just go over there and get in it. You know, keep our heads down. Don't make waves. Just keep your mouths shut. After all, remember what happened to John the Baptist. He got his head chopped off. Don't want that. But then there's the other hand. There's this other hand, and that's what we sometimes see and sometimes do, to present ourselves as holier than thou or standoffish or super pious to say, in effect, I don't do things like that. But we say it in a way that comes across as prudish and unpleasant. Now, I have to stand before you here this morning and confess that there have been times in my life when I have veered both directions. You know, I can think back to when I was late teens and in nursing school. And I'm sorry that I was overly standoffish, and I'm sure that I came across as holier than thou. And I went to a reunion a few weeks ago and had to sit, I got to sit, I shouldn't say had to, but for my own 
you know, I was sitting at a table with people who I hadn't particularly liked then <laughs> because they hadn't been as holy as I was. And I'm ashamed to admit it, but it's the truth. But there have been other times when I've been way too hesitant to let my Christianity to be obvious and apparent to the people around me, and I did my best to just blend in and keep my head down. And I have a feeling that maybe at least a few of you can identify with me. And if that's the case, that's why this passage of Scripture from Peter is so important. Because what Peter is telling us here is that on the good days and the bad days and the in-between days, there are people around us who are watching to see what it is that we're going to do and how it is that we're going to act and in what way are we responding to whatever the current situation happens to be. And while, yes, it is true that in 21st century America, many people get at least some of their notions about Christians from the media or from social media, and that was something that Peter and his friends didn't have to contend with. Even so, beyond the media, social media thing, I think the most telling thing to the watching world is the life of a follower of Jesus that is lived consistently for him day in and day out. It's a life that neither melts into the surrounding culture or maintains such a dis distance that it has no impact. But the question for all of us is, well, how do we do that? And I love it that Peter sort of spells it out here and he says what it is that our lives should look like. Unity of spirit, sympathy, love for one another, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Not repaying evil for evil or abuse for abuse. And that's a good place to think about online conversations. But no, he says that even when we are mistreated, we are to repay with a blessing. So I want us to pause for just a moment. I want every one of you to stop and to think about the environment where you spend most of your day. It may be the workplace. It may be at school. For many, it is the home. And so pause and think about your life in that place with those people. Does your life there reflect the qualities of unity and a tender heart and humility? What's going on? Peter says that's what should be going on. But he goes on, and he goes on to remind us that when our way of living is consistently different from that of people who don't know Jesus or from people who think they know Jesus but maybe are not particularly acting like it, he realizes that somewhere along the line of if you're behaving differently, there's likely going to be questions. 
And if there are questions, you need to be ready to explain where you're coming from. You need to be able to tell people why it is that you don't bite back when there are conflicts. Why it is that you don't post unkind or even unthinking remarks on Facebook. Why it is that you help out a coworker, even if it ends up that that person gets the credit for something that you have done. That's the sort of thing. Because when a person consistently acts in a way like that, people will notice. And they may eventually even say something. And when given the opportunity to say something, we need to be bold enough to answer. But then he gives this caveat, to answer with gentleness and respect. In other words, even in our answer, we don't bang people over the head. You know, as I was preparing for this message, I appreciated the way one commentator wrote about this passage, and he said, humility of life is as important as boldness in word. Bold words will not honor the Lord if they are not supported by a consistent life. And I think that is so true. And yes, we do want to be bold with our faith. But that boldness has to be backed up by consistency of living like Jesus if people are going to pay any attention to it. And so, my friends, the world is watching. They're watching me. They're watching you. They're checking to see if our living matches up with what it is we say. So are you known for your integrity or your kindness, your generosity, your patience, your thoughtfulness? Does the way you live day in and day out, on the good days, the bad days, and the in-between days, does the way you live make the cause of Christ more attractive or less attractive to the people who are in your sphere? And then, when you get asked why you do the things you do, are you able to give an answer that makes any sense? And it doesn't have to be a seminary-type answer. And, you know, people don't want to hear seminary-type answers anyway. Believe me on that one. But the thing is, can you and will you give an answer out of your own heart and your own life and your own experience of salvation and your own experience of the transforming work of Jesus Christ? Because, friends... The world is watching. But what is it that they're seeing in you? Amen.